Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, where we are sharing real-life stories that are geared to impact and empower you in mind, spirit, body, and soul. Join us each week as our guests share wonderful stories about how they overcame Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Donna Ganny, and I'm joined here with um, a guest that's going to share some very good insights. And she has um, more than one book. Uh, she's a special author. And I'm going to let her tell more about herself. But before we start, Cynthia, may I ask you to open us up in prayer? Uh, it would be my great privilege. Thank you. Father God, we come to you with hearts that are wide open to receive whatever it is that you have to share with us today. We know that some of us are beginning a week that is full of challenges that we know about already, and others of us are um, not aware of what's going to hit before the week is over. But we pray that this time that we spend together will be a time that will help us focus on you, remember and recall your power for whatever situation we face, and walk boldly into this new week. And uh, thank you for this this honor and this opportunity. We ask you to hover over us in our conversation and direct and guide our steps and our um, the words that we have to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, again, we have a wonderful guest with us today, and her name is Cynthia Rupting. And she's going to tell us um, a lot about her books that she has, and she's going to tell us about herself as well. So welcome to the Kingdom Hour, Cynthia. Thank you, Dr. Donna. I'm so pleased to be here. It's a, it's a real privilege. I've heard about the work that you're doing, and I'm excited to be able to have an input and maybe some insights that might be of value to your business. And your Wonderful. Wonderful. So I am myself, I'm excited to learn about uh, one of your most latest books, Miles from Mm -hmm. Where We Started. And Mm -hmm. I know that there are some authors that feel called to the profession at an early age. How did it happen for you? I was not one of those people. I I loved writing when I was a young a child, but I never dreamed that that would be part of what God would have for me. And in fact, I thought that probably the medical profession, like my mother, or the teaching profession, like my father, might be paths that I would take. I really never gave serious thought to the idea that I might one day have writing as a career. So I trained to work in the chemistry laboratory at a large medical facility and did that for about seven years. And then when uh, my children were toddlers, when my husbands and my children were toddlers, we, we made the really difficult decision to go down to one income so I could stay at home with the kids. But I also felt like I needed something to stimulate my mind way beyond midnight feedings and um, creating interesting meals for kids who only like chicken nuggets and applesauce. So I took a correspondence course in creative writing just just for a hobby sake or so I thought. 
But God mm-hmm. often has other plans, as you well know, Dr. Donna, in when we mm-hmm. when we just step out by faith and trust him. So I I took this correspondence course, and the very last assignment was to write a script for a 15-minute radio broadcast. And at the time, I had no interest in that, no, that did not appeal to me at all. But I had to finish that assignment in order to be able to get my certificate and say that I had passed the course. So after procrastinating for eight or nine months on that one assignment, I finally sent it in. And within two weeks after that, there was an opportunity handed to me to write a 15-minute, write and produce a 15-minute radio broadcast. And that broadcast was called The Heartbeat of the Home. I still had no training, no real interest in radio, no anything that would have set me up except that I had said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he took me up on that, and and that broadcast was on the air for 33 consecutive years. At one time, it was on 48 stations across the country, and uh, my radio partner, who was the other on-air voice with me, is uh, approaching 89 this year. Oh, wow, and, uh, that's amazing. And there was quite an age difference between us, too. But God put us mm-hmm. together for a purpose, and we learned and grew. And during that process, and this is really, Dr. Donna, where the, where the intersection is, is that for okay. all that time I was writing for radio the, um, a fictional story, which would be just a slice of life seen from everyday life, anybody's ordinary life, whether they're out in the workforce or stay at home or driving over the road trucking or in ministry or whatever, some kind of slice of life scene, and then a musical interlude, and then the devotional thoughts for the day of how God speaks to that particular issue, because we really were convinced, and I still am, that there's nothing we face in life that God hasn't addressed either directly or indirectly in his word. Wow, that that is an awesome, <laughs> that's an awesome start. I'm just happy to hear everything that you're saying. It's so inspiring. Um, mm. Now, in your latest novel, Miles from Where We Started, it's about a millennial couple whose marriage is in trouble. How mm-hmm. did you land <laughs> on that concept as an idea for the book? Uh, that's kind of uh, an interesting tale to relate also. When I think back on it, the no- other novels I've written, my first novel was published in, my first book was published in 2010. I'm working on book number 32 right now, but they are a combination of both fiction and nonfiction because that's what I had been writing all that time for the radio mm-hmm. and God had, he set me up for this. So in novel form, I really liked the stories to be deeply meaningful and yet still an engaging read where the reader will finish the book and feel perfectly satisfied that they spent the time reading that story. But I also have a real heart for wanting to make sure it matters, that what's within the story matters to our daily lives and especially to our faith walk. So there have been stories over the novels over the years that have dealt with unplanned pregnancy or a woman whose husband was incarcerated and about to be released and 
they weren't they were not sure at all if they were going to have any marriage left over when when he returned when he was released from prison. There are stories about a woman who was trying to get as far away as she could from her father's reputation and learned who her true father was. Others who have lost jobs or have been in depression. I tackle, I often say I tackle tough topics in a tender mm-hmm. way. And this yeah, particular, the, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you go ahead. Because um, I, I love the real life um, aspect that you're bringing inside of the book that you're introducing in the book. Go, go ahead, and, please. And, okay, and that was really one one of the reasons when I was tasked with. I have a contract for another book. What's it going to be about? Um, I I uh, really dug around and I saw that the people around me. There were a lot of people around me of every age who were struggling with that concept that if there's if there are difficult times in marriage, doesn't mm-hmm. that mean that we somehow missed God? So then the the natural solution would be then we will just dissolve the marriage and go on with our lives and and um, sometimes that that does become necessary because of certain circumstances, but most of the time. We, especially in the United States, have a tendency to want to give up too soon. But we don't mm-hmm. know what to do. And we also don't yeah. understand what it is about each other that is a difference that could be a strength if we paired it with what our particular strengths are. So, or our weaknesses as well. So I saw a lot of young couples especially not even making it to their first anniversary and all of a sudden being hit in the face with the idea that this marriage thing is hard work. Who knew that it was going to take hard work to keep a marriage together? This particular couple that I imagined for this story had were just about at that first year anniversary, and it just seemed like nothing was connecting with them. They couldn't communicate well. His goals and her goals seemed to be so different from one another. They they believed that the right thing to do was just call it off now. No harm, no foul. You go your way, I'll go my way. But they were forced into a 3,000-mile, three-week camping trip in a micro-camper and and had an 11-year-old foster boy who was that needed to come along with them on this trip because the foster parent wasn't able to take care of him at the time. And the concept or the idea of taking two people who aren't getting along very well and putting them in a very small space together was kind of intriguing to me. <laughs> and in the, in the course of the journey, they, as we would expect, they learned who each other really was when there was very little else that was distracting them except the journey they were on, which is kind of a powerful lesson for for um, those in, in marriage at any time in life. And then they came across people on their journey. They met people who inputted wisdom in into their life just because their paths crossed. And Dr. Donna, you and I can probably think of many, many people in our lives that that's what happened with us. Our paths crossed maybe even just briefly, but there was a, some kind of word of wisdom spoken or some example that was lived before us 
that changed our perspective. And that certainly happened with this young millennial couple, too. They, uh, the wisdom people that they met along the way in this journey uh, spoke into their lives in some powerful ways and, uh, and taught them about what, what was really important in life, some the value of the hard work that it takes to mar- make a marriage work. That's not a sign that a marriage is doomed. It's a sign that we need to dig in and do the hard work. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I totally agree with you because um, oftentimes, I mean, as we see now, um, uh, there are a lot of divorces and they, the max is normally five years on the average. Mm. Oh. And, and yeah, and, you know, we we have to look at it at a different, um, from a different aspect as to how can we hold on to it and harness uh, and value our marriages because we're all going to be different and unique, as you said, from each other. But I like the part where you said that they um, got some valuable advice from some elder uh, persons that had been in marriage for a long time. So I love the book already. Um, (laughs) So, you know, um, what did you discover about this in your life and your marriage and uh, your faith as you wrote the book? What what did you get out of that as you were writing? You have spoken to a lot of authors, I'm sure, and you probably have heard the story many times that that the author often will end the writing process realizing that they wrote the story because of what they needed in the, for their own heart. Uh, and that was part of it. And sometimes we believe if if I was the only person changed by that book, then God had a purpose in my writing the book. And the prayer is that there will be many others as well who will uh, who will have that same, they'll pick up different things than I did. But one of the things that I picked up as I was uh, going through this and uh, my husband and I actually fell in love when I was 11 and he was 12. We were grade school sweethearts and didn't date other people. And eventually when we were finally old enough, when I was 20 and he was 21, we got married. But even after having been um, girlfriend and boyfriend, we couldn't date that young, of course, but girlfriend and boyfriend for that long, we still were pretty immature when we got married and had, um, I wouldn't say our first year was our best year, and now we've been married for 46 years, and wow. every year we discover something new about one another that helps mm-hmm. to, to shape each other, but also to really help mature our marriage. And a lot of people get to a place in a what they would consider a mature marriage, and they're just kind of coasting along. But in just about anything that we do, if we coast along, we're going to find ourselves going backpedaling, we're going to be going backwards. And unless a a marriage is kept alive and vital, it has a tendency to kind of shrivel on the vine. And so I was looking at the the story from the perspective of young people, and especially young people who are growing up in this particular culture with this, Mm -hmm. these particular challenges and, and taking Taking that into perspective as I was writing the book, I was seeing how some of the attitudes that the millennial couples may have these days are because of of wrong teaching that 
a generation older or two generations older had been instilling in them. And that made that really gave me a different perspective on millennials as a whole. I came to so love and appreciate what's so good about them. One of the things that's so good about the millennial generation is that they will they don't listen to the words it can't be done because they figure it probably can. If you just Google long enough, you can find some yeah. kind of connection yeah. that's going to help you get something done. So we, as as older married couples oftentimes, we need to take a step back and realize, too, that the same is true for us. And especially for people of faith, that usually means there is something God has already said in his word that applies to us and our marriage. It might be something as simple as God's directive for us to be kind to one another and tenderhearted and forgiving one another. And when we Mm -hmm. take a look at that from the perspective of how it applies to marriage and even a marriage that has many years under its belt, that makes a difference. But question was a very good one because I there were a lot of other things in the in the story. One of the key elements was how does faith really play out in daily life if you don't if you're not necessarily talking about faith at the moment. If the subject mm-hmm. on the table isn't your beliefs, but how do people know what your beliefs are because of the way you live your life? Mm-hmm. And that was a real powerful lesson to me, too, to realize that most of the time our strongest witness is not going to be when we sit down and walk someone through a, a salvation plan or when mm-hmm. we uh, take them to a church service, drag them to a church service necessarily. Mm-hmm. Most of it is the living out of the day-to-day life. When we look at Jesus' example from the Bible, we see the same was true for him. Yes, he sometimes taught in the temple, but most of what he did was along the way. So oh, for yeah. us, when we're on mm-hmm. our journey, it's that same way. We It's who we talk to and what we observe and what we see along our journey, but also how we live along our journey that's going to be teaching the the largest lessons or speaking the largest messages about who we are in Christ and and our faith. Yeah, yes, because um, our testimonies is it's all a part of it, of bringing out uh, the revelation of what his word says because we're, we're mm-hmm. bringing it to life. We're bringing it to life. I love that. Um, so tell me, you know, in, in what ways is the, is the book Miles um, from where we started similar to other novels that you've written? Because I know that you, as you said, you were in broadcast and radio broadcast for mm-hmm. 33, you know, for now longer than 33 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in your first book was published in 2010. Um, mm-hmm. You had a, a number 31 released in October. So you have been really yeah. busy in writing and also winning awards as well. So um, tell us what was the difference in this particular uh, book, Miles, from where we started as compared to the other novels that you have written. That thank you for asking that question. There, there are some very definite similarities, and one of the similarities is that 
that idea that kind of comes under the umbrella of what my tagline is, which is, I can't unravel, I'm hemmed in hope. So there's going to be hope in every, hopefully every page, but at least in every book that I write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And in the novels that I've written, they've all been, um, I, I would hope that, that readers would think that there's something, that there are books that they could pull from any shelf in any bookstore or any library, and as they're reading, they will be caught up in the storyline and caught up in the development of the characters and the challenges that they face and, and that none of the books I write are stories that are just um, uh, light lighthearted in the way that they're not addressing serious topics. Even though, even though there's humor in everything I write, every one of them will have some serious topics uh, underlying them or motivating them, pushing them forward. But also uh, within that, and some of those topics have been very, very deep topics. And in this particular book, I allowed myself a little more freedom with the humor part of it. When you have an 11-year-old foster boy troublemaker thrown into this situation with this very tiny camper that's about the size of a washing machine, and wow. you're, you don't know where your destinations are. The company, the overarching company, Road Rave, was the one uh, dictating where they would go for their next stop, and, and they didn't know if they'd be driving for days or a couple hours or what to their next location. Uh, there was mm-hmm. so much about that that allowed for the element of humor to come in, but almost always behind humor there's also a deeper story. Sometimes some of the humor that the 11-year-old exhibited uh, wound up being the result of his having not had a, a great early years of his life. And that had to come, he had to come to terms with that too, and so did the couple that was taking care of him at the time. And, and so in this particular book, Miles from Where We Started, I had I had the let loose and let uh, the let the journey unfold without my knowing where they were going on their next stop. So sometimes I would take the map out and look and see, well, what would be within driving distance of this last place where they were? So that became the next chapter. And uh, there were certain themes that were woven through the story, but I felt like I had the adventure of of uh, experiencing what they would have experienced too as they took the journey. I had a, if I can uh, take just a moment here to share kind of a fun insight. There's a company within about, um, oh, probably 25 or 30 miles from my home here in Wisconsin that manufactures these tiny little teardrop trailers, like the one that the couple used. And my husband and I had the opportunity to go visit that manufacturing plant and see, watch one of them being put together from the very beginning to the very end, how efficient they were and where everything fit. And these were uh, considered, for this particular company, they were considered in a way luxury um, small campers, luxury micro campers. Uh, so there was a lot of effort and a lot of skill put into both the materials that were used but also the the efficiency of it. But the bottom line of it is is that that's a very tiny space. And um, working that all out with this couple meant that they were going through 
from bad weather and good weather and sunshine that was welcome and sunshine that was a little too much. And But they also got to see parts of America that were um, intriguing to me because they only were allowed to take the back roads. And that's where we, in life too, sometimes miss that the that the efficient way to get someplace, which might be the superhighway, isn't necessarily always the place where we'll see the best scenery. Sometimes it's those back roads of life, the detours that we're put on that we didn't expect to have to take, but that's where the greatest beauty is. We round a corner and we see something there on those back roads that we is a, that creates a memory we would not have wanted to miss. So oh yeah, there. There was a lot of fun in writing this book, even though it's a very serious topic. There was a lot of fun in writing it. I have another um, another little story about the book too. That um, unless you want to share something now, I'll I'll go ahead and share that. No, no, go ahead. I'm I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Please continue. We okay. We had I had the opportunity in one of the scenes to have the young couple and the 11-year-old boy kind of stumbled onto a tiny house community. And tiny houses are all the rage right now. I'm I'm fascinated by the subject it, itself and how some people can live in a very small space. And it's not that people haven't been doing that for centuries and millennia, but but some people are choosing to do that on purpose now. And, and, um, and live a real minimalist life and strip down to the bare essentials in their housing, partly so they don't have a large mortgage or rent to pay, but and they can travel the house can travel with them if they want to, and they just like that challenge of the small space. Well, in this particular tiny house community, they had a every week they would have a kind of a potluck where everybody brought some food and they all laid it out on big long tables and then and then after the potluck there was a worship service and during the worship service there were some some very meaningful songs that were part of the woman and the main male character and kind of getting their heads back in their headspace back in the right space but I felt in my heart that there needed to be a worship song that specifically addressed what they were sensing and what they were wrestling with in their own faith. Both of the people were wrestling in different ways with faith itself. So Mm -hmm. I wrote uh, the lyrics for a song, for that worship song. And the woman at the beginning of the journey had asked her husband to, if, if she went with him on this, on this road trip, which he had to do because his job depended on it. He, his job was the uh, marketing advertiser for, and, um, for the company that produced these campers. So he, he was going to lose his biggest client if he didn't take this trip. And she didn't want him to lose her, his job, even though they were intending to split up. So she agreed to go along, but she she made him promise that they would seek counseling when they got back from the trip. And she also asked him to take his guitar and write a song for her. And he said, well, what kind of song would that be? And she said, I don't know anything except the title, but the title is, This Is Not How Our Story Ends. So by the time we get this couple to the end of the book, and I won't give everything away, but he writes that 
song for her. And the worship pastor from my church put both of those songs, the worship song and this love song, to the wife, to music. And they're available on my website in their musical form, not just the lyrics. But I'm so pleased with that. And that was another fun element of writing this book that I haven't had an opportunity to do before. But it was wonderful to have the freedom to do that and now have that music actually available for people who want to uh, check it out. Awesome. Yeah, I, and I um, have looked at it myself, and I, I have a question about one uh, other item that you also have. But before I ask that question, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. because, you know, there there are a few writers that, you know, will create both fiction and nonfiction. So can mm-hmm. you tell us why you decided to write both and how they relate to each other? Uh, that That's a very unique so tell us about that. It It is, and I, I agree with you. And I should clear up also that the radio broadcast, we knew that radio ministry was going to have to retire at some time because of Jackie's age, for one thing, and also because a 15-minute radio broadcast is, is very interesting for the all the stations that carried the program had to kind of work that into their lineup because that's a – that was an anomaly for a lot of years. So in 2012, that that radio ministry retired, but we're blessed to still be hearing from people who were moved by that program over the years and um, have made some dear, dear friends among the listeners from that, which is, which is uh, just a wonderful thing, and we're so grateful that God still does that. But I also found that the hope that we were giving through that radio ministry was also then coming out in the books that I was writing. And if... We we all know that God has given us particular gifts, but one of the gifts I believe he's given me is um, empathizing with other people and what they're going through and observing. Being And most authors have to be careful observers of what's going on around them, yes, but also emotionally what's not being said sometimes. Um, even observing how body language can communicate. So mm-hmm. over the course of my the beginning of writing, I was finding that there were times when um, when I was I felt deeply empathetic about a topic that I hadn't walked through before. But mm-hmm. God gave me what I needed to be able to write to that specific problem. And then, interestingly enough. He asked me to walk through a few things so I could write with even more empathy. So there was challenge after challenge and, and some traumas that there's no other word for it, but trauma and um, children mm-hmm. making bad life decisions and some many other things and heartache and loss of people that I loved that increased that mm-hmm. compassion and empathy all the more. So as I'm writing the mm-hmm. novels, I'm, there are times when I'm seeing these characters seem so real to me that I wish I had a nonfiction book that addressed their issues that I could hand a nonfiction book to my characters if that were possible, which it isn't. But those characters represent real people. So then I began to write nonfiction that really on two different styles. One is nonfiction books. And I have a pattern, excuse me, ragged hope surviving the fallout of other people's choices. We all know somebody like that, or we are that person who is trying to pick up the pieces from somebody else's bad decision. 
and then Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul, which is a nonfiction book that talks about how when God patches us up, he doesn't just slap a Band-Aid on us, but he does truly make art out of it, out of those broken pieces, out of the mess that we think is irreparable or irreparable. And so those books I thought, yep, there are a whole bunch of characters I've written about that I would like to hand these these books to where it's how do you find a handhold of hope in the middle of a really desperate situation? I use stories that were from uh, Mm -hmm. people around me and my extended family and my own family and my own life experiences to illustrate what that would be like and how God speaks to that and where we can find places that we can hold on to hope. And then practically what, what do we do too? when we're in those situations. And then the third nonfiction book in book form was um, As My Parents Age. There are so many of us that are struggling with the the very difficult parts, and there's no denying that there are some very difficult parts to the idea of caring for aging parents. And there's some very yeah. precious tender times, too. So that yeah. book address those. And then, and then the other style that I write is a devotional style, which is very much in keeping with what I wrote for the radio ministries. And that, and that devotional style also helps keep me on track, too, because it's, it's, causing, it's really driving me into the Word of God and it's helping me to see what has he said there that I missed the first 30 or 40 times through. And um, that's that's a real challenge, but it's a good challenge both for me and then helping express that to other people so they can come along in, in, in that same journey of digging to see what is God speaking to my particular needs this day because he always does and he always wants to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 absolutely. You, you, you know the question that I have for you because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just uh, you know, lunch is right around the corner, and I see this recipe <laughs> <laughs> with ah. miles from where we started. So, uh, tell me, how what made you decide to include uh, the recipe uh, with the book? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you are as a reader, but oftentimes when I'm reading a novel, and I come across a uh, maybe a special meal that the characters are having. I want to taste that meal. I want to, I want to see what that was like. And um, we were, and also there was this element of wanting to draw readers in to have some, a little something about this story to take with them maybe in their day to day. My daughter and I, uh, when, when my daughter was in her, her early teens and, and throughout her ter- teen life really, uh, our relationship was one of those at the time that we just had to hang on. We just had to hang on knowing that underneath it all there was love, but there was a lot of uh, tension and everything in between. But then um, shortly after she got to college and as, as she grew up and as I grew up as a woman as well, then we became such good friends and companions for one another that uh, she just is so dear to my heart. And we try, we aren't able to do it all the time, but we try to take a vacation together, just the two of us, maybe two or three days if that's all we can fit in. Not very far away, about four hours away, but it's in a lovely community that has some great restaurants that our husbands wouldn't 
they it wouldn't appeal to our husbands. So we'll just do the girl thing. We'll just visit the <laughs> gift shops that they wouldn't like, and we'll eat where they where uh, they would that wouldn't appeal to them. And there's there's one place in that area. There was mm-hmm. this pumpkin pear soup that was, when we took our first bite, we looked at each other like, is this going to be in heaven? Because this tastes pretty divine to us. <laughs> so we well, went home after, and we've made that a stop, that every time we go back to that same spot, that's what we're going to order. So we went home, and my, between my daughter and I, we tried to imagine what might have been in that soup and it's this pumpkin pear soup, and the, there's a restaurant in the story that is out in the middle of nowhere, but they're doing a fantastic business. The husband and the wife are as different as, who run the restaurant are as different as they could possibly be. And they have a huge family of young people that they've adopted, and um, they're about to have a baby themselves. But one of the items on the menu is this pumpkin pear soup or pumpkin pear bisque. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's the recipe that we decided then we were going to compile into a, a pretty form that we could offer to uh, offer to readers so that they'd have a little something to take with them that would remind them of this story. Yeah, that's a, it's wonderful. Um, you're you you know you're very thoughtful and very creative, and uh, you can tell that you receive a lot of inspiration from God in everything that you do. Um, You you know, you're thinking about the the reader, you're thinking about um, what you want to express in your writing and how you want to make a change or an impact in someone's life, which is a wonderful thing that we need in this hour um, because it's bringing out the realness of God um, and the faith Mm. of God in in your books. Uh, How, if anyone wanted to, read any of your books and learn more about you, would you tell the audience how they can get in touch with you or how they they can gain access to your books? Certainly. The books are available, as they say, wherever books are sold. And right now that could be an independent bookstore. I love independent bookstores, and especially the Christian independent bookstores. They're fighting a hard battle to stay in business right now, which is why I love all the more for people to cross the threshold of a bookstore. And if it's not on, if my books aren't on the shelf already, and I'll spell my name again too, Cynthia Rukti, R-U-C-H-T-I. It's probably the only Rukti in the bookstore, but if it's not on the shelf, they can certainly order it uh, through the bookstores. Um, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and other bookstores like that also can carry it. They may not have it on the shelves, but they can order it. And then they can also um, they can go online to the traditional places where books are sold online, but they also can go to my website, and that will give links to some of those bookstores that carry carry the books. And my my website is CynthiaRukti.com, or they can get to this very same website through HemmedInHope.com. And sometimes that's easier than trying to spell a big, long first name and a crazy last name. So they can either get there through CynthiaRookty.com or HemdenHope.com. Right. Also on right. Facebook, 
Excuse mm-hmm. me. I'm also on Facebook, and they can connect with me there at uh, facebook.com slash Cynthia Rookty off reader page. Excuse me. Cynthia Rookty reader page. And then through Twitter and um, Instagram and places like that, too, that, that as, as long as they can get close to the right spelling of my last name, they can find me um, find me online. And I have few greater joys in life than to connect with readers or potential readers and be able to build a relationship and see if there isn't some hope that I can offer to them. Okay, great. Now, I know you also uh, teach at conferences. Uh, Would you like to share anything Mm -hmm. about that just in case there's someone out there that would like to invite you to uh, any of their conferences or event to share? That's a a great thing to bring up, and I appreciate that as well. Yes, I, I teach at a lot of writers' conferences. I teach at women's events. I speak at women's retreats and, and women's events. But uh, women's retreat is one of my favorite times because we really get a chance to see each other eyeball to eyeball and uh, share our hearts and have a little more time to dig a little more deeply. But I also teach at writers' conferences and writers' one-day workshops. I will be teaching at the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference in California in April and teaching also at the Write to Publish Conference in Wheaton, Illinois, just outside of Chicago in June. And there are some others that are coming up a little bit later on in the summer. And then in August, I am part of the American Christian Fiction Writers Conference, and I serve as the professional relations liaison for that organization. So, if there are listeners who are who are interested in writing fiction for the Christian market, I I highly recommend that they consider joining ACFW, which is American Christian Fiction Writers. Lots of great information and education that, and connections that can come through that organization. So they can contact me through the contact page on my website if anybody's interested in having me come to teach or to speak at their events. I um, I take a great deal of joy out of that. There's a lot of different topics. Because I'm an author but I'm also a literary agent, I can come at the topics from several different angles and have been within the publishing industry now it's only nine going on ten years, but at the same time, uh, God has given me a real crash course in some of the things that I had to learn for that. So uh, it's a it's a joy and a privilege and a real honor to sit across the table from or in a room full of people who have a story to tell and just need to know how do I tell it, how do I go about telling it. Okay, and so uh, you mentioned the ACFW, the American Christian Fiction Writers. And mm-hmm. if anyone is out there that would like to join and become a member, the website is www.acfw.com. Um, they do have a place where you can join as a member on their website. So um, if you're a Christian fiction writer, that's the place to go. And as she said, she is a literacy agent. So I don't know if you've taken on any um, or that you are um also taking any scripts or anything like that at this time That's are you well i'm glad you mentioned that because i i do mm-hmm. i have every agent has kind of their 
their limit of how many clients that they can take and do a good job with them and um, and give them the attention that they need. And also, it's a very it's a competitive business, but not in the not in the way that we we would think of as the way the world thinks about it. But it's competitive in the line that that re, we really have to put the effort in to make our work as excellent as it can be in order for it to have an opportunity to reach publishing houses and get out there into the market so the readers can read it. There are a lot of people who are independently publishing these days, and they too need that kind of similar education and and polishing Mm -hmm. of what they're doing so that it's really in good shape to have its best chance of reaching the readers who need to read that, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. So for me, I am always open. My door is open to receiving um, queries or inquiries about, like an email about um, about a person's project, their book project. Usually, I say it's they need to be kind of far enough along in the pro- in the process that they know something about the industry, they know how this goes, they know where their book fits in the market. They understand the word count and formatting and things like they would have gained at a writer's conference or through uh, reading about writing craft books, the craft of writing. But I'm I'm certainly open to their contacting me, and I will take that into consideration, take their project into consideration, and see if it would be a good match, if I think that I would be the right agent for them. Um, They need to know that most of the time I have to say no, but there are those glorious, wonderful times when I can say yes. So if you <laughs> want to contact me about that, they can reach me at Cynthia.booksandsuch.com, and the and is A-N-D, the word spelled out. And Cynthia, for those who might not know, the way I spell it is C-Y-N-T-H-I. A. So Cynthia at booksandsuch.com. And they can just tell me that they've heard about this opportunity through Kingdom Empowerment and through you, Dr. Donna, and they can mention that name and I'll take a look at what they have and maybe there will be a word of advice I can give or maybe there will be, we can go farther with that and investigate an actual relationship. That is great. That would be wonderful because um, I do have a, a group of ladies on um, Kingdom Minded Women's Group on Facebook, and um, uh, oftentimes they, there are a lot of writers, uh, people who are desiring to become writers as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully someone will uh, reach out to you. And if you want to also gain access to the other links, that uh, for Cynthia Rusty, you can go to our uh, main website at keifm.com, and you can get uh, all of the rest of the information with her. And I, I would say um, get the book because it's a very interesting uh, story. She gave us a lot of details about it, and especially for those that are struggling in marriage, I, I'm sure that it will have a, a good outcome. Uh, a good impact and, and empower and equip you in your marriage to run the full race that you need to in order to be able to have longevity in your marriage. Um, Cynthia, can you please share any 
uh, final thoughts, like what would you like to say to the world out there? We do have a global audience. What would you like to say for to mm-hmm. those that may be experiencing challenges in their marriage at this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for that opportunity. They, I, I think I would be hard-pressed to find a marriage that isn't having some kind of um, – some kind of struggle, partly because that is life. Life will always bring us times when we're either butting heads or some some one word, a, a, a casually tossed out word, word might rub us the wrong way, or we might be together facing a very difficult, trying situation like a, a sick child, or or maybe one of maybe our marriage partner is the person who is is ill or um, um, the, something has changed. There's so much addiction and alcoholism and apathy. There's, there's so much of the world that has worked its way in to marriages and caused there to be um, unnatural rifts. And then there are the natural things that come along just because we are different people joining into one when we get married. And even after these 46 years of marriage, like I said, we're still learning. There, there probably have been two or three things within the last week that I thought I have the opportunity to either see the humor in that or to take offense at it. And I'm going to choose not to take offense. And I'm going to look for the humor in it. And t- doing that, in our marriage in particular, doing that has made such a huge difference. So a girlfriend and I are actually right now working on a, a book that is going to take a look at some of that stuff when when there are there are two people living under the same roof, at least two, um, with a married couple, that that there are naturally going to be things that are we're timing and we're tripping over each other and, and this mm-hmm. part of his schedule doesn't work with mine. It's so mm-hmm. natural wherever we are in the world. We will we will face some challenges that are are um, that are just plain going to be difficult. And our options are: are we going to respond like Christ would in love, like over the top love? That's if that's what it requires, then that's what we will get: over the top love, whether the other person quote unquote deserves it or not. And then and the other thing about it too is watching for. If I choose not to be offended by what just happened, how will that change uh, the atmosphere in our home? And what's my goal in our home? My, my particular goal early on, I was challenged to write down a, a kind of a mission statement for my life or a vision statement, and it was for me to create an atmosphere where those around me can grow to their full potential in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I can't just do that with my books. I can't just do that with my girlfriends or with the extended family, but it, ha- it means in my own home, too. But if my goal is to create an atmosphere in which even my husband can grow to his full potential in Christ, and if I keep going back to that vision and plan, and then I go back to the one who gave me the vision, who is God himself, and then I go back to the God who empowers me to do what seems like it's impossible for me to do. That has the potential to change things in my home. And hopefully it will for others as well. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that it will. And um, I also would like to encourage, and, and she also brought this out earlier, I think uh, a founded relationship, we need the word of God in it as well. We need to share together in the Lord, um, be praying together in the Lord. Um, just he, The Lord has to be a part of our marriage in order for it to be a strong and well-structured uh, relationship that will last for a lifetime. Um, Body of Christ, as you always know, uh, we're always excited for everyone that listens in to us um, throughout the world, and we all love you. And we really thank you for listening in um, to the interview that I've been having with Cynthia Rukti, and she is a wonderful uh, woman of God. And I would say if you are a fiction writer, why not reach out to her and and, uh, see if your work is you can get your works out into the marketplace and be able to help others out there. Um, Again, she mentioned about the ACFW, um, which you can go to acfw.com, American Christian Fiction Writers, um, and become a member there to engage um, with other members and possibly grow and learn um, in that environment. Now, Cynthia also shared her website, and she did spell the first name. I'm going to spell out the full website uh, that you can go to to learn more about her and all of the books that she have available. Uh, Cynthia Rukti, again, is a fiction and nonfiction writer. Her website is Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, Rukti, R-U-C-H-T-I, Dot com. You can go there, or you can also find out find out more about her again at our website, which is keifm.com. And um, Cynthia, we have been so um, blessed with having you here today. You have shared a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of information that can really help the body of Christ with real-life stories and real-life information. So we really appreciate that. And you're certainly welcome to come back anytime and share with the audience. And I just want to say, um, you know, I'm really inspired and really impressed with what you're doing. And I I thank God for for that. And I I pray that he will continue to uh, quicken your steps and help you to run the race without stumbling, uh, that he will be that light before you. Yeah, all the way in Jesus' name. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? I have one little story. One little story from um, a couple of weekends ago when our pastor's wife shared that she are they're still working on their marriage. They're a young young couple, and she's not afraid to to share that they're working on it. And and she had determined that she was going to listen better. So they were in a discussion, and all of a sudden she became silent, and he looked at her and said, what is that look on your face? And she said, what look? Just, I'm listening. And he said, I've never seen that look before. And she was so startled that it was, it was such a great lesson for her that 
her just plain listening hard to what he had to say was something so unique that he hasn't seen that look on her face before. And I, that's another clue for all of us, no matter where we live or what we're doing, that our ability to truly listen well to one another is going to make a difference too. And that's one of the other things that the characters in Miles from where we started had to learn. So thank you. And that I just was reminded of that as you were talking and, and uh, about how the power of that as we listen to one another. And I thank you for the opportunity to listen to not only your heart, but to be able to speak out to the people that are in within your circle and who also share the same desire to just live our lives in a way that will bring God glory and that will share, show to the rest of the world that he's worth trusting Absolutely, absolutely, and and that is what it's all about because he is worth trusting. He is everything that we have to hold on to in this kingdom hour, and uh, I'm praying that everyone that is out there listening will uh, seek him through his word and establish that uh, foundational or intimate relationship with him that whatever he has purposed you to do will be fulfilled fulfilled and unto his glory in Jesus' name, unto his glory, because that's what it's all about. And um, so uh, we thank you again for coming to the Kingdom Hour, and uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you in everything that you do. Thank you, and you as well. Amen. So we're going to uh, move forward into the next programming, and I would like to invite you out to Jury for a Queen, and um, they are the sponsor of this program, the Kingdom Hour, and you can go and find uh, find and fashion jury at opensky.com forward slash jury for a queen a collection of fine and fashion jewelry. Thank you for joining us on the Keenum Hour. And the next programming will be with um, myself, Donna Ganny, and Daniel Hanson will be joining us. Um, We're going to be talking on the topic about avoiding trauma. How can women avoid uh, trauma? And he's going to give us some great insights uh, from his book as well. So he will be coming out, and we're going to take a short break at this time. Thank you again for joining us on the Kingdom Hour. Again, we've been talking with Cynthia Rukti, and it's been an awesome and wonderful uh, time that we've had here together sharing about her book and uh, Miles from where we started. And, again, I want you to go out to our website at www.ruchti.com and learn about uh, her other books that she has. She was an, she is a non-fiction, a non-fiction and a fiction author, and that's quite a unique talent to have. And... Uh, I'm sure you know it's just a wealth of uh, resource, a wealth of uh, help for the body of Christ to move forward in in your purpose. And if you're a writer, if you've been inspired by the Lord 
to write. It's a great opportunity for you to uh, find out how to get started and, and what you need to do to build up on your talent. 